Hello and welcome to a DM's Guide to Rime of the Frost Maiden. I'm your host, Greggy Hoxteller, and you can find me on Twitter at the Greggiest, and you can send me an email to thegreggiest at protonmail.com, or you can uh, catch me every Sunday night from 7 to 10 Eastern on twitch.tv slash powerwarriors, all one word with a Z at the end. Every episode, I get on the mic and I let you know what happened in my last session, what worked, what didn't work, and what I have planned for next, uh, what I changed, that sort of thing. Actually, before I even get into uh, any of that, uh, let me just say, uh, if you've listened to this podcast before and you've noticed uh, the very lovely music that is often playing, you know, under under my voice right now, <laughs> there's a really great banger that I always put at the end as well. And, uh, you know, there's uh, songs in between. Any of the music that I use on this podcast is by my friend, Andrew, um, who makes music under the name Electrified Blood. They just put out an album of 37 songs uh, that they've recorded over the last couple of years. And uh, they're all remastered and and reproduced. And uh, they sound absolutely phenomenal. Uh, And you can find these at electrifiedblood.com. Uh, this is like a, sort of a pop music uh, rather than, you know, <laughs> instrumental podcasting uh, tracks or whatever. Uh, but, I mean, if you like this music, you're going to really, really love this album. And even, I mean, even if you you think, you know, you listen to this stuff and it seems a little boring. Of course, their actual pop music is toe-tapping and lyrically beautiful and just a just a, a wonderful a wonderful album that you should buy or i mean just li- you should just listen to because it is available on bandcamp for you to listen to for free but you can also uh, send a little bit of money electrified blood's way uh that would be great uh so electrifiedblood.com uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast if it's been a valuable asset to you <laughs> i'm not even asking you to b- buy the, the album necessarily it, it's uh, just, just go over there and listen to it, enjoy it, and uh, once you, once you are hooked, then you can can purchase it. And thank you to Andrew for supplying the music that makes it so it's not just my voice droning on and on for you know 45 minutes at a time. Yeah. So this week uh, I got a, a very good question on uh, Twitter. Okay. So gentle, feeble-minded man <laughs> at SakiQuest on Twitter uh, asked question for next step. How are you liking doing a campaign from a book compared to the more homebrew stories you have run in the past? Thank you. Uh, that's a great question. And it, it kind of breaks down into my, my thoughts on this kind of break down into two, I guess, kind of sort of obvious categories. So the book is really good because the, the prep time is so low. Uh, I mean, I think I could run uh, in it. A chapter of this book you know without reading ahead without too much difficulty there'd be a little bit of pausing to flip around a little bit but uh for the most part wizards has done the the authors of this rhyme of the frost maiden have done a great job of supplying pretty much everything your party is going to need uh to have a good time so in the in the past and past episodes i've i've given you some kind of uh, clues for how to supplement what is written in the book and, and feel more prepared but even without any of that even if you didn't like uh flesh out and in or think about the motivations of some of the quest givers or things like that 
as written, you could run this this book uh, without too much difficulty, I would say. Um, that'll also depend on your comfort level as Dungeon Master and, you know, how, how you feel about improvising NPCs and things like that. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily you should do that, uh, but I think if you need to, th- the book is well well written for that to be a possibility. Uh, on the other hand, for things you've written yourself, uh, homebrew campaigns and, and homebrew adventures, that is incredibly satisfying as a dungeon master to uh, write an adventure and have your players uh, run it and enjoy it and, and obviously have a really good time with you know, the encounters that you built and the NPCs that you uh, invented and things like that. But the prep time is incredibly leaps and bounds more than what it is to run a adventure like this. So it's like, it's it's good and bad. Now, uh, other things I've noticed, uh, just to talk more about like homebrew versus pre-written. We've got a, like a group chat that everybody talks uh, during the week in uh, about the about the campaign. And I noticed that for our last campaign that I wrote, uh, the Dawn of Morn campaign, group chat was popping off uh, with a much larger frequency uh, than the, the Rime of the Frost Maiden, with more like uh, theories about what was happening next and more planning on how they would deal with uh, different battles or NPCs or things like that um, than in the Rime of the Frost Maiden chat. But, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Uh, it, it seems like a good thing to me, the Dungeon Master, for, you know, my, my players to be uh, very involved and very, uh, you know, thinking about the, the campaign outside of game time. That seems like a good thing to me. But what if the reason why they have to think about, like, theories about the story and things like that are because... I'm doing a bad job of including clues and making it easy to follow the story, right? It, it could very easily be, you know, my players aren't chatting in the Rime of the Frostmaiden uh, channel because the, the adventure is more well-written and they don't have to worry out mysteries and things like that. But on the other hand, I mean, is it more fun for it to be a little more mysterious for the player and, and to think about these things? It, it's hard to say. I would say as a dungeon master, it depends entirely on your time do you have a lot of time to prep a campaign uh if so i would i would uh say give uh, running your own story your own campaign a try especially if you have an inspiration at the back of your mind that you would like a world that you would like to have players explore it's definitely more if you have a world rather than if you have a story that you want to tell uh because you know, players can explore a world, but they are not necessarily going to follow your story correctly. If you don't have the time, though, there's no reason why you can't make uh, a pre-written campaign your own. You can uh, write your own chapters or parts of chapters. Like here in uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden, you could absolutely... Uh, like, like when Skylar came up with that uh, raccoon god town, right? You could make that one of the 10 towns and it would be no problem. It would be uh, absolutely easy to do. It, it could slot right in with everything else and you wouldn't have to change the story of uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden at all. You could add your own chapter, your own uh, part of the chapter to chapter two 
uh, without any issue. You could you could um, say you wanted to make some sort of like uh, an awakened polar bear that is uh, also a wizard somehow, and, and there's this crazy wizard polar bear out there uh, wreaking havoc, or maybe making a polar bear haven. Uh, maybe there's a pair of awakened polar bears, and they're starting a new race of polar bears that are intelligent uh, spellcaster types. Oh my god, this could be really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, they could be like uh, they could be like uh, a, a new homebrew race, even. And they've got some sort of an issue. Maybe they the reason why they're so intelligent is because of a special fish that they eat um, that only lives in this one pool and uh they're they're having issues because you know they can't expand anymore uh without you know stopping their their source of food they're already on rations of how much of this fish that they're or maybe mushroom or whatever it is that they're able to eat and uh they need help from the adventurers to to help them uh you know join the the ranks of uh, all the other races of icewind dale uh, that could be a really fun chapter, a really good adventure, and something that you could add in without subtracting anything really from the rest of the book. So it's it's very possible to do your own thing even within the confines of a pre-written book, and that's kind of the happy medium between both. I will say, actually DMing the game, I had more fun as the DM when I was doing my own campaign, only because... I mean, for one, just because I know I invented this world and I know everything about it. I mean, if the, the characters uh, decide to go north here instead of south, uh, I know what is it north there uh, without having to flip through a book or anything like that. And I'm excited for them to see what is north there. Uh, so that's more fun to me as the DM uh, than having to flip around a book. Anytime I have to flip around the book, uh, that fills me with anxiety. I don't know about the rest of you. Let me know what you think. Uh, send me a tweet or something. But that's 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 the part that uh, makes me nervous as a DM, is uh, you know the players asking a question I don't know. So running my own campaign is really great for that, and also um, you know it's just very satisfying when the the players really connect uh, with something that I wrote and I invented. And I think you can really make the players uh, central to the world if it's your own world. Uh, in a way that you can't as much in a pre-written adventure. In a pre-written adventure, the adventure, the players are adventurers, and they are there to, you know, do the things that adventurers do. You know, you're you're playing a novel about the most important people in the world because they are they are the the players. You know, they are the the ones uh, that are going to decide how the story unfolds. You can wrap the story around them in a way that is still very challenging and uh, there's no reason why any of them couldn't die at any moment. It's cliche to say, but like in a Game of Thrones way where the guy that you think is the protagonist dies uh, right away, that can always happen in D&D, &D, uh, especially <laughs> when you're, you're not great at uh, you know getting challenge ratings right and things. Every battle can can seem like a, a possible uh, life or death situation, and and so I I think that's good. I I don't know. I I could see where maybe a player would think uh, I just I just want to be an adventurer. I don't want to be you know a faded you know one that is is going to change the world or whatever. But I think even in a pre written campaign, I mean, 
the the story is the characters it is the players i mean i guess it is possible to have like a slice of life sort of thing but for the most part when you read a novel it's about a specific story and there's a reason why you're following the character that you're following and it's because you know there's a story with a beginning middle and end uh that that is important in for some reason in the life of this character uh, a dungeon and dragons adventure is the same in a way where the players are the the focus we, we the story advances or fails to advance based on the actions of the player and uh there's an end point in mind and the players are either successful or they aren't and it's very possible for them to be unsuccessful but in the end this is a story about the players you know uh the one caveat i would make would be if you're going to be a new dungeon master, I would definitely say run a pre-written adventure first. There's no problem with that. There's no there's no shame in that. You don't need to, you know, immediately jump into your own thing. Uh, my first campaign I ever ran was uh, Waterdeep uh, Dragon Heist, and I, I modified it quite a lot. I added uh, a lot of stuff to it, but uh, I also ran a lot of it right out of the book. And it, it was uh, very successful, I would say. You know, my players had a really good time. And then once the, the heist was over, we, we stepped forward from there into another, well, well, sort of a more of an original campaign. But I also added quite a lot of pre-written adventures and, uh, you know, chapters out of books and things like that which is the, the this is the second way that i said and then for my third campaign i did i did write myself the majority of of the the morn campaign but i still uh i would still in in include standalone adventures uh that were written other places as well because uh you know that's a, a very nice easy shortcut <laughs> i guess uh some some quick tips for if you're writing your own campaign your first adventure or your first session or whatever uh you're gonna have to have more stuff written than any other one because you don't know what your players are gonna do uh if you're gonna give them a choice you have to think about both sides of a choice because uh you don't know which one they're gonna go with so your first session you're gonna have to write a lot of stuff but then from then on you're gonna be able to judge where your your players are going and you can kind of uh just write an outline just write the minimum of what you need, what you're not going to be able to think of at the time uh, to, to run the rest of it. Um, definitely think about like combats ahead of time and, and planning for uh, how to make the combats uh, interesting and enjoyable. Maybe toss a, a gimmick or two in there, uh, but you don't have to go crazy. Uh, definitely you don't need to be writing in PC dialogue. So you want an outline of the story, like the beats of the story, like clues and mysteries that can be solved in the session. You want that written down so you don't forget. You want names and uh, maybe like maybe a one sentence description of NPCs, uh, including like uh, things about their personality. Uh, something that a lot of people say is uh, think of an actor that would play this NPC. Uh, I would not tell the players the actor, but if you do think of that, you know, keep that in mind while you are portraying them. That's fine. That's a good thing. Uh, I like to just maybe like put energetic or uh, depressed or uh, standoffish, like something like that, just so I know uh, how they are are going to uh, act and react. Um, but that's all you need for NPCs. I guess you can maybe put down if they have a big motive or a big, uh, 
uh, drive to them, you could you could make note of that as well. But the other place you really need to do planning is uh, shops and locations inside of a town or a city. If the players decide they want to go get armor or whatever, uh, it, it's good to know uh, the name of the place and who runs it and what the prices are like there uh, ahead of time because that's something that's going to make you scramble. But otherwise, yeah, if you have a lot of time, write your own campaign, absolutely. If you have a, a medium amount of time, take a, pre, a, a pre-written official campaign and uh, add your own chapters or sub-chapters. And if you have not very much time at all, uh, just run a, a book straight as it's written, front to back, uh, start to finish. You know, now that I think of it, that would be a good exercise for uh, next week or one of the upcoming weeks is to come up with a, a sub-chapter for Chapter 2. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe I will actually plan out the polar bear thing. No, because uh, I <laughs> I put this out as a, a spoiler-free uh, portion so that maybe my players could listen to this part if they wanted to, uh, to see my thoughts on their previous campaign versus this one. Uh, so the polar bears isn't going to be it, but maybe next week or the week after, I'll, I'll think of a different uh, sub-chapter two for us to include in the Power Warriors campaign. If you have any suggestions, feel free to email them to me, thegregiest at protonmail.com, or uh, let me know on Twitter at thegregiest. Okay, so that uh, concludes the spoiler-free portion of the episode this week. Uh, I'm now going to get into talking about uh, last week's session. So if you're one of my players, you have to stop now uh, because I'm going to be talking about maybe some stuff you missed and things like that. And I'm going to be talking about the solo session uh, I did to uh, get one of my players up to, up to speed so they could re- rejoin the campaign. Actually, the player that's going to be joining the campaign is... Uh, is Andrew, Electrified Blood himself. So uh, go to electrifiedblood.com and and, uh, and listen to or purchase their new album there. In last week's session, the players, by the skin of their teeth, managed to get back across the chasm without losing anybody uh, after that platform that they were on almost collapsed. Luckily, they had their wizard friend uh, back with them, and she was able to get everybody across on a... Uh, a floating disc that she held over her head. Uh, I think the the rules as written don't necessarily allow for that. But I say if the if the wizard has her hand on the disc, it's going to go where she wants it to go. Yeah. So some a bunch of people got across on the disc, and then the uh, the centaur or the the wizard went to the middle of the chasm on the bucket. It was just kind of teetering, almost ready to fall, and uh, the centaur jumped across onto the disc for just a moment because it has a weight limit of 500 pounds and she weighs much more than that. But she jumped onto it for a moment and then across the chasm and uh, the wizard was able to get back across as well and uh, the platform and the bucket and everything uh, fell into the chasm below making the other part of the uh, cavern very difficult to get to from now on until the the miners come back and uh, get to work rebuilding the platform and everything. They met up with Trex and the other kobolds, and I gotta, I gotta come clean here. I, I made a big uh, error here. I forgot about how Trex was supposed to be smart because he's possessed by that ghost, and I just made him a normal kobold, and I didn't notice my mistake until he was already being 
<laughs> in my campaign, kobolds tend to be uh, like mischievous prankster, uh, silly boys, and he, he was being that sort of a guy, uh, and I, I forgot he was supposed to be very, very articulate and well-spoken and things, and uh, yeah, so I messed up there. Uh, luckily, my players uh, took the explanation that the kobolds took over the mine uh, based on the, the, the extended winter and just being cold and, and needing a place to live. Uh, that, that made a lot of sense to them, and they, they didn't need a ghostly possession, like, making them do it. But I think uh, that, that could be fun, especially, you know, uh, a very a very smooth-talking kobold. It's a, a funny, uh, good good story beat, so uh, include that if, if you happen to remember uh, <laughs> during your campaign. If you don't, though, I'm I'm here to tell you it's going to be fine because, yeah, they, they took it just fine. And after jumping across the chasm and, and nearly losing one of their members, uh, they were not in any mood to fight. They uh, talked it out with Trex and uh, agreed to uh, speak on his behalf with uh, the speaker of uh, Tremolaine and uh, get the kobolds in as workers in the in the mine there also they they actually did go and explore and, and find the grell which would have been a problem for them if they hadn't uh, because it would have killed the speaker uh, so that was good they they actually they actually did everything that they needed to to complete the quest completely and they leveled up they're they're level four now uh, congratulations to my players they got the uh, 50 gold from uh, the speaker and they got uh, free food anytime they want it at the Blue Clam. And uh, eventually th they can come back to Chermelaine and the mayor will give them some more gold. Maybe another 50 gold. Uh, that was their agreement that he would eventually pay them uh, when the miners were able to get back to work. Uh, and that's pretty much all we got to that week. Because they did a lot of talking. They did a lot of uh, character stuff. Uh, they went and stayed at the east side, and um, Mosley, my my character who secretly, and my players, you better not be listening right now. He has that uh, that secret where his father's ring was uh, eaten by a, a knucklehead trout. So he, he loves to talk fishing uh, with, with everybody. And, of course, at the east side, there's old Clyde, the retired fisherman. Uh, so he roamed the halls before going to bed, trying to find Clyde to talk uh, fish with him. And uh, they had a nice conversation. Clyde, uh, I, I kind of rearranged the story a little bit and, and made it so that uh, Clyde was the one that uh, caught Old Bitey before he died or before he retired from fishing and sold it to the innkeeper at the uh, North Look. Uh, and it had been enchanted by a druid to be uh, very well preserved. Uh, so that he now knows maybe he needs to go and inspect Old Bitey to see if uh, maybe his father's ring is in there. Uh, which it, it will be. And I've decided it's going to be a ring of water walking. Uh, which I think is interesting and, uh, you know, powerful enough for this level uh, without breaking anything. Uh, it may make some future uh, parts of the, the book a little easier for Mosley. But, you know, that's that's what magic items are for. And, uh, you know, putting these things together is uh, what it what it's all about for a player, right? 
Uh, so that's what I decided on. If you had any other ideas, I mean, it could just be a family heirloom and maybe it could be worth a lot of gold or something. Uh, but I, th I think putting a, a magic item in there is fun. Uh, if you have any other ideas, feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you think. Uh, the solo uh, adventure, the, they made a new character named Lomont, who is a Leonin fighter. So one of the, the lion person fighters uh, from the Theros campaign setting, I guess. Uh, but actually, they Lomont uh, was once a human that, that uh, lived among the, the Arctic uh, snow leopards uh, around Icewind Dale. Uh, like a survivalist and, and kind of like studied them uh, but he was uh, some sort of a evil or, or magic effect um, took over the leopards and uh, they they ended up uh, turning on him and, and killing him uh, he had a, a druid friend in the area that, that reincarnated Lamont and brought him back to life but of course reincarnation you're not able to decide how you come back and he, he, instead of a human, he is now, you know, uh, uh, a snow white Leonin fighter. So uh, that's that's going to be fun to have the reincarnation secret for him. Uh, and he will maybe be able to find uh, the druid that, that uh, brought him back to life, which uh, between you and I, dear listener, uh, that's going to end up being Fuad, the druid, that helped uh, Clyde catch old Bitey. You know, Fuad is... is just a druid that is, you know, traveling around Icewind Dale, uh, doing nice things for people and uh, doing what he can or they can. I'm not sure uh, what what gender this this NPC is yet, uh, if they have a gender, but just helping uh, people out as they can uh, during uh, Oral's long winter. Uh, I believe Fuad is currently with the Reghead nomad, Nomads, um, probably the Wolf Tribe. Uh, but we will we will see as the story progresses. Uh, so Lamont, uh, he he spoke with uh, Billy of the Order of Elia. Uh, they are in the the town of Goodmead currently, where they were given the the previous speaker's uh, home uh, to turn into an inn, in uh, in sort of a, a headquarters of sorts for the Order of Elia, uh, and and they're going to be bringing in an NPC. I'm sort of leaning towards a, a Dragonborn right now, but I've got to look into Forgotten Realms and see where Dragonborn are from and stuff. Maybe it'll be something else. Who knows? I, th I think it's not going to be a human or a dwarf uh, because there's plenty of those in everything else in Icewind Dale. Could be a Dragonborn, I'm thinking. Maybe a Tiefling or a... Uh, what are the cat people called again? Uh, I can't think of the word. But one of the cat people or something. Not the Leonin, but the other one. Tabaxi. Could be a Tabaxi, maybe. Something like that. Uh, they would not like the cold, <laughs> I suppose. But maybe. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be some sort of a, an interesting sort of a character. We'll be running the, the inn slash Order of Elia headquarters. Anyway, Squivers and, and Billy are there in Goodmead currently working on that. When uh, Billy receives word from um, the mother of the, the the stolen children at Dugan's Hole, Silja and Fen, uh, they've been taken captive. So Billy run, rushes to the inn, uh, to the, the, not the inn, the, uh, the Mead Hall, uh, to see if he can find any adventurer that would be willing to go to Dugan's Hole with him to figure this out. 
and Lamont just happened to be in that inn enjoying a nice cup of mead uh, when Billy came and, and called him to action. Uh, the two of them went to uh, Dugan's Hole or the outskirts of Dugan's Hole where uh, they were accosted by Koran, the, the, the wolf who uh, pretended to be injured. I played him as very sniveling and cowardly because he was acting to try to, uh, you know, draw Lamont uh, out to, to come um, with him. To be honest, Lamont fell for that look, line, and sinker. Uh, Andrew is very, uh, they're a very animal-loving person, and they wanted to help this wolf immediately, uh, which was very sweet. It was very nice, very true to character. But also, uh, you know, very funny that, that, you know, this huge wolf, I think nine players out of ten would see this and, and realize that what is going on is uh, some sort of a farce or at least roll an insight check. But um, Lomont just fell for it completely, which was, you know, very sweet. Uh, Lomont followed the, the wolf uh, with Billy to the, the ice giant's uh, lodge. Uh, where Koran would not go inside. He says, oh, the, the master is gone, but... Uh, well, he said it like, oh, the master is gone, but I dare not go inside. Uh, he, I will be in so much trouble if I were to ha have any part in letting his captives go. You will have to do it on your own. Um, yeah, so finally, Lomont kind of... Uh, figured out that there was an issue here and rolled an insight check and uh, tried to force the issue and get, get Cran to go in with him. Uh, at which point Cran called for his brother, his brother Kanan, to to attack uh, Lamont and Billy. Like I said, I made, a, I made them into young winter wolves, I think was what they're called. And uh, they, Lamont just was rolling like, like crazy. His, his rolls were huge he just blew through Kanan and then uh almost completely destroyed Cran but Cran ran away uh and it's got you know these wolves have like a 50 foot uh travel speed so it dashed away and he missed his uh, attack of opportunity so Cran was able to uh escape pretty easily uh which means you know Cran and is out there uh to to harry the party later on you know when you're outside of that lodge there's three choices of ways you can go in and for whatever reason lamont just happened to choose the southern one uh which is directly to where the uh the children are being held uh he did a good investigation check of the cage and realized that um fire would make the the uh the the bar is very pliable uh, which Billy, the, his one spell, his one cantrip, he had been using quite a lot because uh, he... <laughs> Actually, Lamont had him use Speak with Animals to try to talk to the wolf, uh, which they then discovered that that uh, Cran was an awakened wolf. And then uh, he had him use uh, Healing Word on, the, on, on Cran, who was not even actually injured. So Billy was like almost out. He, he had one more spell slot available. Uh, so he was, like, stuck with cantrips in case he had to heal Lamont during the adventure. So, uh, yeah, he had been using pr Produce Flame and doing, like, one and two damage the whole time. But it was fine. Uh, he, he used Produce Flame on the bars, and uh, Lamont did a strength check to 
pry them apart and rolled a natural 20. So yes, he was able to save the children uh, without issue. And rather than continuing to explore the hold, he was like, my objective here was to save these teenagers. I, I saved them. Uh, let's go back to town. Uh, so their mother gave him the, uh, the, the boots of winter wandering or whatever they are. Boots of the Winterlands, uh, which is a, a very good uh, magical item to have in this campaign. So he's starting off uh, on a, a really good foot. Um, they all, they, Billy gave him some gold. Uh, honestly, I just gave him uh, the average amount of gold that everybody had just to get Lamont up to the, the same level as the other characters. And uh, yeah, and I, I let Andrew level up to level four along with everybody else. I had them, I had them uh, level up to level two previous to us running this adventure just to try and help them not be too squishy or whatever and uh, get stomped by the wolves. Uh, but yeah, very successful. Uh, actually, not weird to run a one-on-one session. Uh, it was it was fun. We had a, a lot of fun, the two of us. Uh, we blew through this, you know, one shot in like 45 minutes, because of course, when you've got a lot of players, you got a lot of time to stop and think and plan. Uh, but when it's just you, you get to make all the choices and uh, just blow through content. Uh, so it was really fun. We got through it uh, very quickly and very efficiently, and uh, we had a good time as well. So if you ever want to run a one-on-one -on -one session uh, like this to get a player caught up to the rest of your players, or, you know, just for the heck of it, if you can't get a lot of players together, maybe you could uh, do this as well and have a good time. Uh, yeah, making a, a, an NPC to go with them to help them in ways that they can't do themselves is... Uh, a good move, I think. Uh, but otherwise, I, I would not let only having one other player um, stand in your way of having a good time in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, moving forward, uh, we're going to get into Chapter Two. Uh, I think they are definitely going to end up at some point going to the the down ship because uh, Octos has the crystal that is pointing in the direction of the down ship. So we're going to do that uh, for sure. I think they may end up going to the Frost Giant uh, Throne. That could happen. Yarlmu, that could happen. Otherwise, uh, well, they're definitely going to end up at some point going to the, uh, the, the pirate ship. Actually, where are they now? That could be... Maybe I'll have that reporter kid say that he heard... Uh, yeah, his friend in Bremen told him that he heard that people had been seeing a ship out in the out in the winter yeah I love that reporter kid so I think I'll probably bring him back um, to spread more uh, rumors uh, so that's the plan what I'm gonna do next because it's so hard I don't know exactly where my players are gonna go uh, my way to prep for this rather than reading the chapter again which I actually did read the chapter uh, <laughs> I'm mostly talking to my own conscience here for being uh, very lazy and not, you know, doing a, a podcast about being a DM and not actually having read the entire book. Uh, I did read the chapter, uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the chapter and uh, go through my maps on Foundry. And I'm going to make sure all my NPCs are out and ready to go so that no matter where they go, uh, that part is going to be ready. And in doing that, I've found that that really makes the, the locations and things stick in my mind 
Um, so that's my plan for moving forward, uh, because I don't really know exactly what my player's next move is going to be. I know they're going to check in with Squivers, who they think is in Bryn Shander, but who is actually in Goodmead. Um, so that's going to be a little bit of extra time. Um, you know, as the DM, I, my instinct is to, you know, they think he's in Bryn Shander. Why don't we just make him in Bryn Shander? But on the other hand, in the actual story, he is now in Goodmead based on their actions. So uh, there will be a little bit of extra travel time based on that. Yeah, I guess homework, uh, why don't you do what I'm going to do? If your players are about to move into chapter two, go through your chapter and uh, just make sure that you've, you've got your maps ready, uh, you've got your NPCs ready. If you're not using a digital tabletop uh, like I am, a, a virtual tabletop, uh, just go over the stat blocks and, and familiarize yourself with them. Uh, for any of the NPCs that your players are likely to fight in the next session. And think about if, if you see any complicated stat blocks with like spells and stuff, think about which spells that, that NPC is likely to cast and uh, maybe disregard the ones that they aren't. And, uh, you know, think about ways that they can use their skills uh, to make the, the fight more interesting. Uh, but I think that is it for this week. Sorry if the, the beginning portion uh, didn't apply to you or your campaign, uh, or if uh, you, you wish I would have gone into more detail on any of the uh, actual book stuff this week. I, I apologize. Uh, if there is anything that you would like me to speak more on and to go into more depth on, uh, always feel free to contact me and let me know. Or if you have a question like, uh, like it, at Socket Quest did this week, uh, send me a question and we'll go over it on the show. I can't guarantee I'll do a half an hour on every question, but we'll 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 do our best. And and uh, you know I've been I've been very happy with the amount of, uh, of of folks reaching out to me and contacting me on this podcast. It makes me feel like I'm actually doing something that's helpful and uh, something that people are using. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, feel free to reach out to me, uh, at the Greggiest on Twitter, the Greggiest at protonmail.com. And you can watch our stream every Sunday night, twitch.tv slash power warriors. And like I said, please go to electrifiedblood.com. Check out the album. Uh, if nothing else, check out, uh, some of the, the great tracks on there. There's one called, uh, trash. There's one called Diggin. Uh, there's one called, uh, Everybody wants to live on the moon. Uh, there's a really fun one called Let's Die Together that uh, is a little, not 100% serious, but it's a, a very fun, very catchy song uh, that's going to be stuck in your head once you listen to it. Uh, I'm going to go out on one of Electrified Blood's best songs, one of my favorite songs of all time, even not including... Uh, songs that are written and performed by my very good friend uh, Die in Philadelphia uh, we're going to end with that you're going to love that song and it's going to make you want to immediately go to electrifiedblood.com and uh, send Electrified Blood a bunch of money for the uh, album or at the very least just listen to the rest of the album to hear more uh, of your new favorite songs uh, but thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you after the next session on A DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostmaiden.